First up, I want to say welcome to City Hill. If you're here for the first time, you haven't filled out one of these cards before. We are so glad you're here. Literally, we are so glad you're here. We made a card saying we are so glad you are here. So um, if you want to fill one of these bad boys out um, and hand that into either myself, Katrina, or Apollo over there in the leather jacket, cheese. Um, we've got a gift for you. And it's the leather jacket. Yeah, we've got a gift for you. Apollo's leather jacket. You're banging in it. No, we've got a gift for you. It's not the leather jacket. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to keep Apollo for a week. He'll just do all the laundry and everything. No, no, no. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Jody, for give me a complete spin-off series. So, yeah, we got that going on. Uh, relax, enjoy the service. Uh, at City Hill, we take the awkward out of the offering. We don't have an offering coming around today, so you can just chillax. All our giving is done in secret. It's done online via PayPal, via the Ping It app. And via the banking system, you can check out our welcome information if you want to know more about that, about how you can connect the hymnal, get LinkedIn, all that kind of jazz. So today we're doing part one of our, our new series. We're going to be looking at... I'm not going to preach facing the other way. <laughs> um, that would be great though. We're looking at Steve Jobs and Job. So we've called the series Jobs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Our creativity knows no bounds. And... Um, <laughs> I was just thinking this morning, you know, this, this, this place is, is so, so dope. Because, like, literally, we've got so much of the Bible in this room. Somehow, last night, they celebrated a 30th birthday. Jesus started his ministry at 30, and there's always, like, 30 balloons and 30 stuff. And then I started to think about, like, the tree of life, and we have that right here. And then I started thinking about Aaron and how he had this, this staff that had buds on it, even though it was dead. And that's budding. And I'm like, what the heck? And um, then they had the tent of meeting, the children of Israel. And we are in the tent of meeting. <laughs> And I was just like, no way. And like, I was like, the levels are ridiculous. And then I was like, and the grass it blooms and withers. No, let's just, let's, just, let's just keep it on a level. And then we sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. Dope! Jeez, bars for days. And then not only that, with the whole tent thing, they met and they had like the fire by night and the cloud by day. We've got this one, we had two, and now there's only one in the middle. And it's just like, geez. Uh, we could go on. I'm just going to stop there. Knock and he will... No, yeah, let's go. So we're looking at uh, Job and Steve Jobs. We can have a lot of fun with that. So first of all, I want to start with uh, like any dodgy preacher does. And I want to start with a Steve Jobs quote. Um, I want to start with this. He said this about innovation. So today is all about innovation. So Steve Jobs said this. Innovation comes from people meeting up in the hallways or calling each other at 10.30 at night with a new idea. No one call me at 10.30 at night, for reals. Just don't do it. With a new idea or because they realize something that shoots holes in how we have been thinking about a problem. So innovation comes from people meeting up in the hallways or calling each other at 10.30 at night with a new idea or because they realize something that shoots holes in how we have been thinking about a problem. The book of Job is so unbelievably innovative because the greatest problem that we always talk about, like if you talk about God, everyone talks about God being good. Even atheists, one of the main things to talk about is God being good and the idea that there's suffering in the world God is good, holding that intention. And that's what this book is about. So this book is the oldest book in the entire Bible. So Genesis, obviously the story predates this, but in writing terms, it wasn't written before this. So Job is chronologically the oldest book. And the thing that it grapples with first is all about suffering. It's all about pain. 
And Job's response and understanding and expression and the conversation that takes place in this book, the ideas and actually the spin on it on how suffering came about in this story is completely innovative. Um, Not just for the time frame it was written in, not just for the conversation of the day, but the conversation that continues throughout the generations. And even today, when Christians talk about the the doctrine or, or the theology of suffering and of pain, Job is still like a revelation. It's still an innovative idea and concept in how we look and where we place suffering. So we're going to crack straight in because we're talking about the greatest tech innovator the world has ever seen. And there has been no one who's had greater innovative thought, opinion and realization and revelation than Job when it comes to pain. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. In the Hebrew it says he made it rain in the club. And very many servants. So this man, well made it rain in the desert, I should have said. So this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast, told you, in the house of each one on his day. And they would send an invite and they send an invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. I want to pause there, man. This guy is a stand-up guy. What a stand-up guy. And, and the, the thing that hits me right there, because we're talking about pain and we're also talking about success and we're talking about the twinning of the two because actually you will never experience success without pain. If you've ever met anyone who's been successful without pain, holler at me, please. I'd love to meet the guy. It'll be fantastic. I was at a conference in, in Texas and they were talking about kind of, we were in a church that has like oh my gosh I mean it's the the auditorium is like seats 5,000 and they have multi-sites all over the country and they had just at that time started one in London as well and before the conference started off they had a private gathering for just the pastors so like people who pay for tickets they couldn't go to this it was just for the pastors and I was sitting there and the main guy was on stage just busting jokes and I mean they're not funny they're really painful things but for all the pastors in the room they were the funniest thing ever because they could all identify with it they were talking about when they first started the church and there was like a small handful of families and they were the biggest giver in the church um, ran the children's ministry and all that kind of stuff and they didn't like the direction the church was heading in so one Sunday um, they decided they were done they hung black reefs on the, the classrooms of the children that were coming in to church to do their Sunday school and they hung black reefs as if the children were dead to them. And I remember him saying this and everyone's just cracking up because we're like, this is ridiculous. Like, he's going, like, you have no idea. He goes, you see everything like this and I get slated by the media, I get slated by Christians all over the country saying that I'm fake. This and the other goes, man, you don't know what it's taken to get here. And he talks about that story and then they also find out that because those guys, that family had donated the PA system, the whole PA system's gone. And so they've turned up to church with no PA system and black reefs hanging up in each of the classrooms for the children. And it's just like, when you've got to push on through something like that, let me tell you, you don't get to success if you're not willing to take the hits. Um, Rocky taught us that um, in that great inspirational speech. But it's so true, you've got to be willing to take it. Um, and Steve Jobs, different stages in his life, had to take it. But here, 
what speaks to me so strongly is we hear how successful he was, how much he had, but it says, thus Job did continually. Job was consistent. Job was consistent. He wasn't a flash in the pan. One minute he was doing this, the next minute he's doing that. He was continually doing the right thing. He wasn't just looking out for him. He was blameless and upright, but he, he thought about his kids and loved them and thought, you know what, I could totally see this party going a bit out of control. And I'm just going to make some a few offerings um, to the Lord because I just know my kids and I know their trouble. And I know the stress they've caused me in my life. I'm going I'm to throw this. And he did this continually, covering after them. So the Bible paints this picture of this guy that, yeah, he was blameless. He was the greatest man in the East. But he would even go further than anyone else that he was covering the things that he didn't even know happened. Like, who does that? Because when we're talking offerings, he's got all these animals and he's like killing animals to cover sins he doesn't even know if they took place. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a lot of money you're spending for something you don't even know if it happened or not. That's how consistent and dedicated he was to doing the right thing. He would go above and beyond and he consistently went above and beyond. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Lucifer came among them, Satan. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord, saying, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, blameless and an upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You bless the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. I remember reading this verse and I remember like one time reading this and I remember just like pausing for a moment, kind of looking up at the ceiling and going, Lord, please don't rate me. Please don't rate me. I beg you, like rate me, but don't rate me. Rate Leke, don't rate me. Like, Lord, if, if, there's, if there's someone like, you're going to like go like, oh yeah, this guy's a good guy. Yeah, no, 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 not me. Don't rate me like that. You know what I mean? Like you can rate me a little, but like don't rate me because I'm, I'm not feeling like Job. Like I remember reading that passage being like, God, he's doing really great. Thanks for throwing him under the bus like that. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty messed up. Actually, there's, there's different angles, different ways of looking at um, Job and this story. And you can look at it from quite a human-centric point of view. Then you look at this and it's just, it's just, oh my gosh, it's just totally depressing. But actually, there's something much bigger. There's a much bigger story at play. There's something really wonderful and really powerful that's going on here. So Satan comes before the Lord. Now, when Satan has this conversation with God, he says a few things which I find really, really interesting. So God says to him, where have you been? Like, like God doesn't know where he's been. And what Satan's response is, he goes, oh, you know, up and down, been all over the earth, been about, you know, been about on the ends, showing face, all that kind of stuff. And then God goes, have you considered my servant Job? So we're reading this and we're thinking like, this escalated quickly. You were quick to throw your boy under the bus. Like, why would you do that? But actually what happens in this passage is when, when Satan is saying to God where he's been, it, it, it's, it's really where he's been. Like God, a conversation like this isn't happening between two humans. There's, there's a lot more going on. So like for God, when Satan says, I've been about on the earth, I've been all over the earth. Like he's been all over the earth causing a madness. He's been all over the earth causing destruction. He's been all over the, over the earth destroying lives. He's been all over the earth cutting people off from God, their life source. He's been causing a madness. And so at this point, Satan is really rubbing something in God's face. And God at this point is like, have you seen my boy Job though? Have you seen my boy Job? 
Like, I, I know you haven't seen my boy Job, because if you've seen Job, you know he's doing a madness on you, you know? You're causing all this trouble. Have you checked Job out? You see what this boy is doing, yeah? Yeah, you've seen those offerings for things you don't even know if they've happened. Have you considered Job? Yeah, 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 you wanna, you wanna step to people? Step to Job, see, see what I want. Think you're a big man out here. Job's a big you, you know. Step to him, step to him, rude boy, see what happens. And Satan's like, oh yeah, 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 but you're talking about Job. He goes, let me tell you, God, you've built a hedge around this guy. I love that line because as a kid reading that, I always saw Hot Shots Part Deux, when, <laughs> when they get to that wall and wow. it's that high, and he's at the gate, and he's like, damn, luck from the inside. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like heads and up. But when it's talking about that, it's talking about market, a demarcation of boundaries, that this is their land and that's their land, and you can't do nothing, that's theirs. And if you want to step over that, you want to get on that, it's on, it's a war. And so he's going, you've built a hedge around him, and I know if I step on that ground, that's your ground. I know I'm getting moved to. So, you know, if you want to remove the hedge, Lord, if you want to remove your boys, if Michael and Gabriel don't want to back the thing, then, 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 then we'll talk about this, God. That's what's happening. That's how this talk is. This is, like, literally, when you translate it from the Hebrew to the street talk, this is what it comes out as. Like, well, if you want to bring Michael and, Aine, and, and Gabriel out of the way, then cool, rags us on. And so then God goes, okay, it is on. Everything is his. It's yours. Do what you want, but you can't touch him. You can't touch him. So when we first look at Job, we see all this stuff, but actually, you know, at the same time, we have to take great comfort in the fact that God goes, there's a limit. There was a limit. He couldn't touch anything he had. And then God says, you can, but you can't still can't do this. And so Satan still can't go beyond what's happening there. And so at the same time as this being like a passage I always read, and I'm like, Lord, don't rate me. Don't rate man, please. At the same time, I'm like, wow, that he puts this limit in place. So, and then it says, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. God limits the trial. You may feel like you're going through a madness right now. And you may feel like, I can't go, I can't take anymore. If this goes another step forward, I, I can't take this. This is it. This is my limit. I just want to let you know that God has a limit on it as well. And there's, there's only so far this thing's going to go. For Job, it's going to go way past any limits you and I could ever, ever, ever bear. In verse 13, now there was a day, oh Jesus, always a day, isn't there, where everything hits the fan. You know that day when you woke up and it's, you didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. There was a day. <laughs> there was a day. And that's how it starts. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them. The Sabaeans fell upon them, took them, struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. So he's lost the donkeys, he's lost the oxen, and he's lost most of his servants. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God, so from God, geez, fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people. They are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose. He tore his clothes 
he shaved his head, he fell on the ground and he worshipped. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked, I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. You see this as being about some stuff happening to Job. But actually, the theatrics in this story are way bigger because it's always from this this heavenly position where the angels have come before God and Satan's brought this accusation against Job. He's brought it to him. And we see it from this angle. And and what's crazy about this story is, is, is Satan says, you've got a hedge around him, so the environment's perfect. And while the environment's perfect, it's easy to worship you when the environment's perfect. Change up the environment and we'll see what happens. You know what's so powerful about this story? Like, man, I'll tell you about a perfect environment. A perfect environment is when you're an angel in heaven in charge of a third of the angels in the presence of God. That's a perfect environment. You know what, Satan? You couldn't even hack it in a perfect environment and keep worshipping God. And you want to step to Job? And then all of this is taken away. The environment that isn't even close to what Lucifer had. This story isn't about a guy getting beat down and kicked. This story is about a champion. This story is about a guy who gets hit with everything, even the kitchen freaking sink, and he still comes out worshiping. This guy gets battered in ways you and I have never been hurt, never been tested, and yet he will still worship God. He will still praise God. A man who actually faces his grief in the only way you can really come out on top. It says he did two things. He grieved, he tore his garments, he shaved his head as his culture would do. But then he worshipped. He worshipped God. He worshipped God. Oh my days. Like that is, like it says he didn't sin. But to me it almost sounds like that thing which my learners do to me at work. Where they put their hand up and they start reeling that finger. Like it's like, you've done all of this to me. All of this. God has removed that hedge. And he says, watch, he will curse you to your face. Job doesn't even look God in the face. He doesn't look at the heavens. He goes face down. He won't even look in any direction that we as humans automatically look when things go wrong. Like when everything falls apart, we go, why why do you hate me? That's what we do. Not Job. Face to the ground. And he worships. And And he puts it in a realistic perspective. I had nothing when I was born into this world. And I will leave with nothing as I leave this world. God has given. God has taken. He's saying, thanks for what you gave me. He's taking it away for now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There was a great rabbi who on the Sabbath was teaching in a synagogue. And as he was teaching in the synagogue, he, um, he comes back home and it, it, he doesn't know that his two boys have died. And his wife doesn't tell him. They sit down, they have the Sabbath meal together. And she's trying to kind of protect him from a madness and everything. He goes, where's the lads? And she goes, oh, they were at the synagogue. They were at the college learning, you know, Sabbath school. And um, he goes, no, they weren't. I was their teacher. He goes, oh, you're, you're mistaken. They, they've definitely been, um, they've been with the Lord today, you know, kind of thing. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And they eat the meal. And he goes, it's so quiet. Like, they would be back by now. They would surely be back right now. And then they finish the whole meal. And then she goes, let me, let me, let me ask you a, a question. And she goes, so one of the neighbors, they lent me some tools. And they've been so useful and they've been so good. Such a blessing. Um, do I have to return them? And he goes, are you seriously asking me about property law on the Sabbath right now as we're having this meal? Are you seriously doing this? She goes, yeah, yeah, I am. And he goes, well, you have to give them back. 
And she goes, come with me. And she takes him to the side of the bed with a sheet over the two boys. And she said, God gave us two wonderful gifts and he's decided to take it back because it's his and he wants it right now. And the rabbi falls to his knees by the side of the bed and he echoes the words of Job. You have given, you have taken. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for this wonderful gift. Thank you that I had it. And I realize that you've taken it back to be with you. Job here trusts God throughout the perspective of what is finite to that which is beyond it into the realm that only God can truly see and God can truly know. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. Do you know what hits me is, 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 is the end of that first passage we read where it says, Job, thus Job did continually. Job did continually. Consistently, to get into the good times, he'd always done it. And then when things were good, he consistently did the same thing. He consistently kept the same mentality. He never took anything for granted. He offered offerings on top of offerings, on top of offerings out of gratefulness, but also thinking about his kids, thinking about that things could have happened that he doesn't know about. And then what happens when... When everything goes and everything falls apart, he's still Mr. Consistent. In this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrong. Even in this pain, he keeps up this level of consistency. He keeps on going the same way. And that brings me a bit to Steve Jobs, because in in, in 1976, he started Apple Computers um, from the garage with a friend, uh, Steve Wozniak, that he made friends with, and another person who actually sold their shares and missed out on billions. Um, and they started in this garage and they brought out this computer brought out a second one the second one took off did really amazing that's when the other guy sold his shares and he built the company up and in like 1985 things have been a bit difficult they've gone through a bit of a rocky patch and the board turned on Steve and they threw him out of his own company they threw him out of his own company but Steve is just consistent he's just consistent he's had his life work the project that he's built up taken to heights and it's had a slight rocky patch and they've ripped it from him, and he now has to go again. And what does he do? Um, he gets involved in like a, another computer company. He also starts Pixar, hello, um, Toy Story, gets that bad boy going. He ends up doing all these amazing things, getting around to it. Eventually, he comes back round, um, does a, a merger of one of the other companies he owns back with Apple, takes over back o- Apple back over in a couple of months, and he's led them to higher heights than they've ever been. But it's just Mr. Consistency. It's just Mr. Consistency. If you want to innovate, and you want to be an innovator, the first thing you have to have is that consistency. It doesn't matter whether it's rain or shine. It's got to be the same. It doesn't matter whether the blessings are flowing or the poo is hitting the fan. It's got to be the same. And as Christians, I think so often we're, we're weather-based. We're totally weather-based. And it's like we don't, we don't wrestle with this book with Job, man. I'll tell you what, this morning cut me up because um, last night, Jody and I, we, we left Eden um, with my mother-in-law. And um, I've been wrestling with this passage last night and it made me really uncomfortable and really kind of messed up with me and, and she's not there. And then this morning um, in the bathroom, I see this little Eden-shaped T-shirt on the ground. Oh man, I nearly burst into tears. Because I started to think like, man, that's Job's life, isn't it? You go back and then you just see everything that tells you about what you've lost, about what's missing and what's there. And yet he still stays Mr. Consistent. He still stays Mr. Consistent. But what I love about this story so so much is how how actually while all of this is happening on the ground like have you ever felt like you're being watched 
You ever felt like that? Guess what you are? <laughs> Guess what you are? There's, there's, this, there's this whole theater playing out and you don't know where you're at in your life right now. And you don't know the ratings you're getting and you don't know the struggle that you're going through and that you're facing and you don't know where the limit is that God's placed. You don't know that. You don't know that the limit's there. You don't know that God is rejoicing in you in this suffering because he's like, look at that. Man, everything is falling apart and they're still worshipping me. Look at that. They still got up this morning and got down to City Hill. Look at that. They've had everything fall about around them, but they're still going and they're not tapping out. Look at that. And you think your problem is causing you to, to question your faith. Well, God is going, look at their faith and he's rubbing it in Satan's face. Satan is going around still accusing. If you don't believe me, what did Jesus say? He says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And the good news that you and I have different from Job is that in Hebrews it says, Jesus ever lives as our intercession before the Father. And God, you, you, in your lowest moment, God is taking the greatest delight in you, not because he loves to see you suffer, but Satan has spent his whole career trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and destroy what God has done. And he's too busy taunting in front of God, busting dance moves in the heavens among the angels, going, I've been all over the earth. But God's able to go, yeah, but have you been to City Hill? Have you seen some of the guys there that have been going through absolute hell? And guess what? They're still praising me. They're still worshiping me. And they're still not tapping out. And do you know what the great thing about this story is? It's actually there are angels in a perfect environment that have only known that apart from Lucifer. And they've only known what that is like. And they are watching and they are, ba- they are confounded. And they cannot understand what they're seeing when they see you coming to worship the Lord while everything around you is falling apart. They can't understand it. And they're seeing something raw and beautiful that is beyond their comprehension that literally blows their minds because they can't understand the notion that you would suffer the way that you would suffer and you would still rock up to praise him, that you would still rock up to live your life for Jesus, that you would still not tap out in spite of all that happens. And that is why Job is one of the greatest innovators there has ever been because his story causes us to face grief in a new way. We grieve our pain, but then we worship the Lord. And as we come through that worship, we find the restoration and the healing through things we never thought we could be healed of. Those moments of abuse, those moments where things have been taken from us, those moments of heartbreak, those moments of failure, those moments of sin, those moments of being suicidal, those moments of of just having the world crash around us, of of mental illness, all the different types of things we face in life, and yet we still worship Him, and yet still we praise Him, and yet through that God empowers us. Steve Jobs also said this, innovation distinguishes between a leader and a follower. It's easy, we'll find out later on how these two sayings will actually tie into a lot of conversations people have with Job. Oh, well, Job, you know, this must have happened, that must have happened. You're all going to have friends around you when everything's really low, giving you their great 10 pence of wisdom, and it will distinguish between a leader and a follower where you can go, you know where you can shove that piece of information? I'll tell you where you can shove it, because I'm still praising my God. I'm still following my Jesus. I still know that he has a great, great plan for me. Last week, I'm going to share something with you guys. and I'm going to kind of wrap up with sharing a bit of kind of house news and a bit of an update. Um, Because I believe as a church, we're about to go through a time of real innovation. 
I feel there's a lot of things that we've done in the past that have been innovative. I feel there's some of the stuff we're doing now that's innovative. But actually looking ahead at this year, we're going to end on this because actually I've decided, uh, well, not this Friday, the Friday before, I handed my notice in at work. So I've, I'm going to be finishing my employment at, at a place called City Gateway um, come come uh, just before the day, last day before the Easter holidays. And then after the Easter holidays, I'm going to be starting full time at City Hill. And I'm, I'm taking an absolute kamikaze leap. I was waiting for all the money to come in from the different partner churches that I've asked and requested it for. Um, but actually, as we got further and further in, I just felt God saying, no, 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 no. You're in the midst of a storm and you're going to worship me. You're in the midst of, of this madness and you're going to step out in faith. You're in the midst of this with, with, with your wife, with, with Eden, and with another baby on the way. And trust and see what I do. Step out in faith and what I've got going on for you. And so this year, we're doing some really crazy, exciting things that are going to be happening here. But that innovation is only going to happen and there's only going to be a change in the spiritual climate, not just here as a church, but in the surrounding area, in the communities in London and in the UK. When, when the madness kicks off, we don't get intimidated and step back, but we step forward in faith. And not only that, we praise him and we worship him in spite of what happens. Because we look at Job and everything fell apart. But as we look through the process and we see what God does in the end, there's some amazing stuff that happens that comes out of the worship that Job, Job brings. And when we look at Steve Jobs, nowhere near as inspirational, but still a pretty bit much of a heavyweight in terms of today's world, everything was taken for him. But God blew the dream to heights he never knew it would get to. What's going to happen when you and I start to worship and praise with God on our sides in spite of whatever happens to us? What do we think God could do? He could do immeasurably more than anything we ever asked, dream, or imagined. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to leave that there. Father God, I thank you for two innovators. I thank you for Steve Jobs and all that he did at Apple and how inspiring his story is. But more than that, God, I thank you for Job, who didn't just put a great device and product in our hands, but he actually gave us something that could service and help and empower every generation to be able to fight off the accuser of the brethren, to be able to stand firm just like Peter was, even though Satan came to sift him like wheat, Jesus prayed for him. And that we don't know all the boundaries around us. We don't know where the hedge is. We don't know where the protection is. We don't know where any of that is. All we know is our help comes from you, Lord. And that we know that you are for us and that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper us. But that, Father, in the times where everything falls apart, we don't understand. We don't see the big picture. Job never saw the big picture. He didn't know all the theatrics that were going on above him and around him. All he knew was that you give and you take away and blessed be your name. And, Father, we come this morning and we just say to you, Father, thank you so much for all that you've given us. And we can feel the moments in our lives where things have been taken away from us, Lord. And we just thank you even for those, not just for the good bits, not just for the great bits, but we worship you in spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering, and we trust you to come out on top because we know for us to fulfill the call that you have upon our lives personally, individually, and as a collective, it's only going to happen when we can worship you through the pain, where we can follow you through the pain, where we can be consistent in doing what you've called us to do in our lives personally and as a collective. When we do that, Father God, we can see the innovation that you are bringing to those around us, to our families, to our loved ones, to our communities, to the church, and to our nation as a whole, Lord. Um, 
I pray, Lord, for those that are coming today from a place of real hurt that they're going through right now or things that they're working out in the past. I pray, Spirit of God, that you would come, that you would empower them, that you would stir them up, Father, and you would help them this week to live a a week of grief, but then worship, grief and worship, grief and worship, Lord, that will lead them to you and lead them to lead the angels in worship, that they will see what they are doing in their lives and it will cause heaven to rejoice because they will see that even in the lowest, they are willing to worship their Lord. Uh, Be with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.